Well, hey, Harlan, how we doing? My name, my name is Dan Jacobson. I am one of the pastors on staff here at Harland. And it is a privilege to see all of you. Thank you for coming to church and putting Jesus first on the 4th of July. That's the type of people that we are. We're Jesus first people. And we got a lot to celebrate today, but we're here to make much of who God is. I want to say, hey, to you watching online, maybe here at the air show, maybe you're a blue angel streaming in from the sky. I don't know. Thanks for tuning in. It's great to have you uh, in the room with us together. Can we give it up for all the people who are streaming online? Come on. We're, we're like, oh, welcome them in. Just say thanks for uh, watching with us. Um, I, I got uh, a little bit of just like personal stuff. Some of you, uh, have, we've had a chance to meet, and some of you are like, who's this guy? He's like, we've got another, another guy. What do you even do around here? Uh, honestly, right now, this is all I do. Um, I, I, this is my first day in the office, and so uh, I'm hosting this service, and so it's great to, great to meet you. This was a momentous week uh, for the Jacobson family. We packed up a U-Haul and a trailer and, and, and left Valparaiso, Indiana, drove through some storms, got in this week. We closed on one house on Wednesday, closed on the next house on Thursday, and listen, y'all, I'm a Kansan now. I like, I get to vote in Johnson County come whenever the next vote is. And uh, it, God has just been so uh, clearly paving the way for my family to, to make our way out here as we join up with Heartland. And I want to say this to you. If you're new or you're newer to Heartland, I'm so glad that you're here. Today's, again, my first day uh, here, so we're kind of in this together. But my, my hope for, for you, if you're newer, if you're newer, uh, is that you would find Heartland to be the same type of people that I found. I, Kristen and I, we've, we've actually found that this place is like the home we didn't know we had. You ever have that experience where like you showed up at somebody's house and they just welcomed you in and like just, just fed you and took care of you and, and, and gave you a space to unwind and be yourself? Like that's what this church has been for us already. So from my family to you, can I just say thank you guys? I know it's weird when one person, no, 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 this is from me to you. When one person applauds, but uh, just really grateful for that. Hey, if you're newer, newer, there's an event coming up that's a great way to jump into the family. It's called uh, Heartland Summer Nights. It's happening July 14th. I hope that you put this on your calendars. You've got this already in your phones to show up here at the building at 6.30 for a night of family and fun. There's going to be food trucks. Uh, who doesn't like a good food truck? Uh, there's going to be a shaved ice truck because why not? Uh, Cantaloupe City is going to be providing some music for us and it's just going to be a wonderful time for people to get together, hang out, build some relationships. What we're all about here as a church is, is, is really making space to build relationships to put Jesus first. And if you're wanting to jump into the family here, this would be a wonderful opportunity for you to participate. Well, again, my name's Dan, and I'm privileged to serve here as the leadership and teaching pastor. What that does not mean is that I'm the lead pastor. Everybody say not. Not the guy. Say not the guy. One of the things I love about the direction that our church is moving together is, is uh, away from um, maybe uh, singularity and more to togetherness, to be with each other and to, to serve alongside of one another. And so I, uh, I have the distinct privilege of joining a three-person leadership team. I'm going to talk about this until we all got it, okay? Uh, a three-person leadership team. And one of the people uh, that is, is on that team, someone who's become quickly a brother to me, a good friend, is Brad Herndon. And Brad is going to be preaching... You didn't tell me about the fan club. <laughs> Brad's going to be coming to preach a message today on freedom. Can we give it up for Brad Herndon, everybody? Come on, Brad, preach the word, bro. <laughs> ah, man. Hey, Harlan. How are we doing today? Good. I 
could not be more thrilled for the fact that I am no longer the newest person on our staff. Uh, that Dan is here and uh, just getting to lock arms with him and everything that he's bringing to the table to this, this season for Heartland and to this leadership team as he and Craig and I get to lock arms not only with one another but the other incredible staff and teams, people really, that God has blessed Heartland with. So there are some awesome things ahead. So grateful that you are here this morning to be a part of, part of that, especially if you're stepping in for the first time. Jump in. There's always room for more and we've got some awesome things ahead of us. So there's a, a reason why they call Lake Superior, Lake Superior. Seated atop the, the five great lakes of North America, there's one that clearly rules and reigns above, above them all, over 1,300 feet deep, over, over 2,900 cubic miles of water filling its shores. The word superior really doesn't even begin to describe just how big it is. Just, just, just how powerful it is. Just how diverse each of its shorelines are. If you were ever to drive around Lake Superior, you would notice the different personalities that each shoreline boasts. From the iron ore north shore of Minnesota, pouring down its wooded slopes into Lake Superior, to the, the rocky bays of Ontario up in Canada, to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, boasting its, its, its uh, uh, cliffs and even sandy shorelines and really Caribbean-like colors. Sometimes you even wonder, how is this the same lake? Because it is so big. To swim in it, <laughs> that's a feat of bravery. Uh, to sail upon it is to really tempt its power. And many have. And that's why it's so good to come close to something like Lake Superior because it just, it shows us, it reminds us that there, there are some things in our life and in this world that are just always going to be more than we could ever fathom them to be. Have you ever felt that somewhere? Maybe standing before the ocean or, or being in the mountains and looking out around you and being invited into their, their trails and their landscapes and the freedom just to explore. Maybe you felt that standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon and it just looks like it's a canvas. It's so huge. How is that even real? Maybe you felt that looking up at a star-filled sky above a Kansas prairie. And we think, wow, there's something more than I have ever dreamt possible. And that same feeling of something more is what we experience when we look at the life that Jesus came to earth to give you and me. And so I want to welcome you or welcome you back to this series that we have called Ready for More. And it's really, it's not just a, a teaching series that we've been in. This is also a season that we've really been moving through collectively as a people, as a church, that as we've been emerging from COVID, we've all kind of come out of this time of being locked down and we're saying we're ready for, for something more. We're, we're not ready for more COVID. We're ready for something more to move on to something next, something, something bigger. And it's also something that we're experiencing as a church. So many of you have, have stepped back to Heartland. You step back, even if it's watching online, or stepping back, taking steps here to come back in person. In fact, one of my favorite moments has been just being in the lobby a few weeks ago. We're talking to some of you who said, wow, we, just, we weren't sure when and, and if we could, but we took that big, bold step of coming back to worship in person. And man, I'm so glad we did. And so if you took that step, let's, we're, we're clapping a lot this morning. We do this a lot as a church. I just want to applaud all of those, you, those. We've all taken that step at one point. And just thank you. I mean, you've experienced something awesome. You took a risk. 
For those of you who are watching online, we're excited for you too, that you're staying connected. If you're, you know, at the, of the Blue Angel, like if there's actually a Blue Angel watching this, I will give you my first paycheck. Yeah, there you go. Got or if you're watching from the cabin, if you're watching from the cabin or the lake or from the boat, thanks for the invite. Uh, no, but we're glad that you're here. But we're just kind of moving into something more. We're moving into something more as a church as we kind of learn this new way of leadership and having a refreshed sense of who we are as a church and, and why we're here and ready to lock in and say, let's, let's, let's bust down some walls and let's go for it. What does God have for us? We're ready for more. And so through this series, what we've been doing is looking at the promises of this Jesus life. And, and the thing about Jesus is that he never stops inviting us to experience more of himself, not less. That's the thread that we're weaving through every single week. Jesus is always inviting us to experience more of himself, not less. And every week we've been looking at one part of the life that Jesus offers us and how it is more like Lake Superior, it is more than we could ever fathom it to be. That when he talks about life and coming to give us life, he's not just talking about breath in our air, breath in our lungs kind of life. He's talking about life to the full. He's talking about a rich and meaningful and satisfying and purposeful life that he came to give you and me. We talked about forgiveness and that Jesus, Jesus really, when he talks about forgiveness, he's talking about it so much more and bigger than we really can fathom. In fact, he had so much forgiveness that he would forgive people and he would forgive the kinds of things and that would just make people uncomfortable. It was that much forgiveness. Last week, we talked about courage and faith and not just a little bit of courage and faith because for Jesus, he invites us that, that you and me, can have, even with a little bit of faith, that they can accomplish massive things like moving mountains and walking on water. And Jesus is always inviting us to experience more of the life he has for us and not less. And the same thing is true when we look at what we're gonna talk about today. We've been singing about it uh, all morning. It's, the, it's freedom. That Jesus is inviting us to celebrate and experience more freedom than we ever dreamt possible. In fact, I think you and I, don't really, can't really begin to understand, haven't really begun to understand just, just how free we are. And it seems fitting that we would be talking about freedom today, right? I mean, as, as for, for us in this country, freedom's a big thing. For this, this weekend, for today, in fact, that we, we know that freedom is special enough and is, is important enough that we set aside a day as a country just to intentionally recognize how special and, and important it is. That we, we celebrate it, we remember it, we remember that, that freedom has been fought for, that people have paid their lives for this freedom, that freedom is still being fought for in all sorts of ways across the world, freeing people from un, unjust society and slavery and oppression, and that we're still fighting that for all here in our country still today, that it's that important that we never stop fighting for it, remembering it, and celebrating it. And that's what freedom is, and that's, that's why I think it's something worth talking about today, but what I want to pose for us is the question that do we, really, do we really understand it as good as we should? Do we really understand what freedom truly is? Do we really understand it as well as we think? Because freedom's a, let's face it, it's a big word, right? It's kind of a gargantuan word, and it spans so many aspects of our lives and, and our world and our society. I mean, just think about the way that freedom is understood in so many different spheres. So you, you talk about physics, uh, freedom is simply an object's ability to be able to move in a certain direction without anything containing it or getting in its way. But you take that, just physical understanding of freedom, and you, you apply it to like psychology. You know, that freedom is one's ability to be independent, 
that they're in control of themselves. You take freedom and you apply it into politics and government, that that freedom is being free from, from unjust laws and oppressive governments, that people are, are, are free and free to live in that freedom. And so how do we really take something so big and massive and gargantuan and really start to break it down and understand it on a day-to-day level, just, just in the kind of ways that we live and wake up and the things that we do during our day? How do we take this massive concept and bring it down to our level of understanding so that we can really understand it and live it out? And whenever I have a massive question like this, I always go to Instagram, right? In fact, uh, this week I was preparing this message and my son, uh, Gus, forwarded me this TikTok video and I'm not young enough and cool enough to do TikTok, but I can hang with Instagram. And so he sends me via Instagram, I don't know how this works, they talk to each other, this TikTok. And I think, man, this is perfect, Gus. This just is such a great illustration of, I think, what, what our understanding of freedom is. Anyone have dogs? Yeah, dogs on Instagram is one of the best gifts ever. And even if you don't like dogs, if you just need to pick me up, follow some dog accounts on Instagram. It's going to make you smile, make you laugh. It'll make your day always better. I promise you that. So he sent me this, this dog's video right here. And I was just, just there's a video of, of two dogs. Both of them, they lose their leash. Here's this one dog. What does he do? Man, that's a good dog right there. That's a good. Then you have this dog. Drop the leash. What does he do? Thinks about it. Hmm. Freedom. Hmm. Oh, he gone. <laughs> you ever chase a dog, you don't win that race. You know, just when you think you're getting close, they stop and they look at you and they say, just, just, just try, just try. You take a step, gone some more. You start zigzagging all over the neighborhood. We have two dogs, both of them retrievers. Um, that's, that's, this is their understanding of freedom. If they get off leash, if, if the doors, we used to have a beagle. He was a beagle mutt rescue pup. Uh, he lived out in the woods for the first couple years of his life, and I think he really was most happy there. Because whenever the door opened um, a couple inches, I mean, he would make his way through it. And he was nose to the ground, gone. And I tried chasing him for a while, realizing this is, this is not working. And so I said, fine, man, you know where the food is. So sure enough, he had his 20-minute joyride through the woods of the neighborhood or whatever, and he showed up back home every single he just needed his 20 minutes of freedom to go, to go out and, and, and do whatever he likes to do on his own, running around sniffing trees and peeing on fire hydrants and all that. But, so if we kind of take that and we take this understanding of freedom, I say, okay, let's boil it down. Let's make it a really simple to understand everyday common definition of freedom. Here's what I would propose our everyday understanding of freedom is. I tried to put some words to it. See what you think. Freedom is the right to do what you want and to be who you want wherever you want, and whenever you want. Freedom is a, it's the right, and it's right, right? I think freedom, right? To what? To, to do what you want and to be who you want, whenever you want and wherever you want. That, and just look, think about the different components of it, that there's this right, there's this, there's this kind of this entitlement to, to freedom, something that we all should be true of, all of us, um, but all around really what we want for ourselves, that, that we have the ability to, to define that and to move into that and, and to pursue that without anything getting in our way. And maybe you think, you know what, there's some pieces of that that are true, but I think that might be a little strong, that might be a little indulgent or, or irresponsible, and, and I get that, but I don't think that changes the way that we understand freedom and the way that we want to define freedom. And the reason I, the reason I know that is, is not simply from the dogs, but it's, it's also from being 17 years old. 
If we filled this room with, with a bunch of teenagers and we asked them, really, what do you most look forward to about moving out from your parents or graduating high school? I think somewhere near the top of the list, something in the form of freedom would show up. The freedom to do what you want, to be who you want, wherever you want and whenever you want, without anything getting in your way, without those oppressive parents and rules and guidelines and punishments getting in your way. And if we take an honest look at ourselves, what, did anyone else think that when you were 17? Did anyone have a year of freedom after, after high school? You still remember that? Some of you might be trying to forget that year. Maybe you had several years of freedom. But if we take that understanding, I think it's true of 17-year-olds, I think it's true of 47-year-olds, I think it's true of 77-year-olds, is that we really want to be able to do what we want and be who we want whenever we want and wherever we want without anything getting in our way. That if we take an honest look within ourselves and the way that we live our days, I think this is, this is true of us. In fact, a lot of the tension that we face in society comes down to, to that right there. How free can someone be? How much do they get to do what they want and be who they want? Because you can't, you can't go crazy with it. Otherwise, this would, just, this would be a terrible experience. And so where's, where's the line of that freedom? And we debate back and forth and we come across that tension. And I, I think if we, were to, if we were to invite Jesus into our understanding of freedom, and really, if anything, whenever we're trying to understand something, we should always start with Jesus. That's a, that's a pretty good rule. And start with what he has to say about things. And he were to look at our lives and he were to look at our society and he were to look at our church, I think that he would have a thing or two to say about freedom. And I think he would actually tell us, you know what, I don't think freedom's what you think it is. And that's where I want us to walk away with today. I want us to have a little bit more of Jesus' understanding and, and heart for freedom so that before we go off to our get-togethers that, that we're so grateful to be able to have, before, before we, we shoot off the fireworks that we drove across county and state lines to be able to acquire, <laughs> before we have all the fun that we're going to have today, uh, I think let's take a note, let's look at Jesus and let's see what he has to show us about freedom. Deal? Yeah. All right. So that's where we're going. And now, in order to do this, I want to start in John chapter 8. So John, one of Jesus' disciples who uh, we looked at, he, he wrote about Jesus' life and his teaching. And we actually looked at this chapter a couple weeks ago. Shabu did a phenomenal job uh, teaching on forgiveness and teaching about a woman that we find at the beginning of this chapter who, who was found out that she was caught in the act of adultery. And, and the, the men who found her drug her out into the street and threw her down on the, on the street and and threw her into, into the public spotlight, threw her into the spotlight of the sun, showcasing her guilt that was clear, showcasing her shame for all to see. And she's down there on the ground and she's surrounded by these men who were her accusers, but really to call them accusers is putting it lightly because the rocks that these men were holding in their hands weren't meant to accuse. These were meant to condemn. These rocks were meant to, to punish this woman. And it was a punishment that honestly, by law, she deserved to receive. Can you imagine what she felt in that moment and what was coming her way? When all of a sudden another man steps through the crowd and steps between her and these other fellows and he bends down and he gets on her level and he whispers something to her and he draws something in the sand and, and then he looks up at the men holding their rocks and he says to them, he says, let whoever of you has never sinned, let, let you throw the first stone. And I think there was a moment there where these guys had to, had to really wrestle with a lot. Yet one by one, they start to drop their rocks and walk away. 
And I wonder what it was like for this woman in that moment. I wonder what it was like for her to hear these rocks fall to the dirt a few feet from her, the rocks that were meant to kill her, now being released. I wonder what it was like for her to experience something that she had never experienced in all of her life, that she was able to experience for the first time ever, forgiveness. And not just forgiveness, but, but really freedom. That Jesus' forgiveness of her paved the way to the freedom that he, that he had for her. And I wonder where she went after this. You see, when you have an encounter with God, and so many of you know this, your story changes forever. Your past has changed. Your future has changed. That's why we are so adamant about just creating environments and spaces and services and relationships where we can help people encounter the grace in the person of Jesus. Because when we do, that's when people's lives change. And we don't do the work. We just create the space and God does the work. And this woman's life changed. And we don't know what happened to her, but, but we need to hold on to this moment and this scene because then down the road in John chapter 8, Jesus starts teaching again. He's created quite a stir and he starts talking about who he is and why he came. And as John is writing this, he wants the moment with this woman to be freshly stamped on our memories to help us make sense of what Jesus is about to start teaching. And maybe the woman went off her own way and lived her life. I don't know if she hung around, but in my mind, this is just Brad, I like to think she did. I like to think that somewhere she was in the crowd of people who were listening to Jesus talking. And I like to think that as Jesus started talking, she caught his eye. And as he said what he was about to teach, he was looking right at her when he said, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Because what he was helping her understand and make sense of is that, is that the forgiveness of Jesus unlocks the freedom that we can find in him. That the very starting point for the freedom that we get to celebrate and live in is the forgiveness of Jesus. And that's what she was learning. And I think Jesus is looking at us too. And he's saying, hey, if the son has set you free, friends, then you are free indeed. And so how do we... How do we really live into that freedom? Well, that word unlock, that Jesus' forgiveness unlocks the freedom that we have in him, that's a really important word. And I put it in there intentionally because I love last week as Steve was teaching us about courage and faith that he said, really to understand courage, we have to understand its opposite. We have to understand what fear is. And we really walked through those things and that, that really helped us understand what, what courage looks like. And I think the same is true with the word like freedom. Really to understand freedom, we have to understand the opposite of it. That we have to understand the prisons that you and I live in, that Jesus wants to unlock for us so that we can be able to move out of those prisons and live into the freedom that he has for us. And so I want to talk about some of the prisons that we live in. But any, as I jump in, anyone uh, Shawshank Redemption fans? Yeah? I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, one of the top 100 movies for sure of all time. Uh, yeah? Yeah, you think about that? Yeah, 1994, uh, Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman. It takes place several decades ago where Tim Robbins is, plays a, uh, a, a, a new inmate to the Shawshank prison. He's been falsely uh, found guilty of murdering his wife, and he comes into this this prison, and he befriends a couple of different guys, and the, it's just the journey of his his. Uh, tumultuous, terrible several years at Shawshank and what the experience was like and the sinister warden that he, that he lived under and the conditions 
and the persecution that he experienced. And it gives us a glimpse of what prisons are like. But as you watch this movie, I would say that the prisons that you and I can live in apart from Jesus are even more dark and even more dangerous and even more terrible than Shawshank. That the, the warden of evil is so much worse than the warden that Andy Dufresne lived under. And I think that in this room today and watching online that there are prisons that we have lived in or that we're living in right now that we're captive to. And I just wanna talk about a few. There's so many different ones, but in praying about us in this weekend, there was a few that God brought to the surface for me. And one of these prisons is the prison of sin and shame. That, that Jesus' forgiveness unlocks us from the prison of sin and shame. And we learned a couple weeks ago what sin is, that, that sin is really whenever we miss the mark with the way we live our lives, the choices we make, the things that we do with our words and our actions and our thoughts, that we actually kind of take God out of his place and we try to become God. And, and when we do those things, that it puts distance between us and God and it puts distance between us and one another and it just breaks down who we are and how we live. That, that's, that's what sin is. And so... Uh, Jesus' forgiveness frees us from that, like he freed the woman from her, from, her life, from, her, from, from her life of sin. And so for us, he frees us from the sin of whatever it may be, that one, that one thing or that addiction, that he frees us from those things. And we need to remember that, that Jesus has freed you from that prison. Maybe you're here today just to, just to remember that. Today's message really isn't so much about what new things we can learn as much as it is being reminded of what God has done. Actually, most sermons are those things, to be honest. We're here to remind us about Jesus and what he has for us. But I don't think Jesus just frees us from the, the prison of sin. I think he also frees us from the prison of shame. You see, see, sin and guilt and shame, these two go hand in hand. And sometimes we walk out of our prisons of sin, but we hold on to the shame and we carry it out with us. You see, 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 guilt and sin, this is kind of like I, I, I did something bad. Shame, this is when we internalize it and it becomes our identity and we say, I, I am something bad. It's the, it's the shadow of sin. It's, it's what one author, um, Dan DeWitt, he writes, and he kind of describes shame as the shackles that wrap, wrap their arms around our, our legs so tightly that we're free to walk but never run. That's what shame does to us. The regret that we hold on to, the embarrassment that we feel, the things that we try to keep suppressed or hidden behind us, and yet they show up as shame in our life, that they keep us from running and we're left only to walk. And I think today that God wants us to know if that's something that's in your life, that he wants you to be free from that, that shame. That if you're feeling that shame, that you would hear the, the words that Paul wrote. Paul was another follower of Jesus down the road and Paul actually spent most of his adult years in prisons, a lot of time in prisons. And from those prisons, physical, physical actual prisons, he wrote to a lot of churches and people Interesting that he would write to people about freedom from within the walls of a prison. And to a bunch of people in Rome, much like us, he said, and I think we need to know this, he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for him or her who is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is now no reason to hold on to your shame, to be shackled by your shame for those who are in Christ Jesus, that Jesus has freed you not only from your sin, but he's also freed you from your shame. And what that means is that Jesus also frees us from another set of prisons, and I'll call this performance and pretending. 
that Jesus frees us from, from the prison of performance and pretending. Now, what do I mean by that? When Jesus was teaching about freedom, he was surrounded actually by, by off in the distance kind of, off a, a lot of religious people. Now, religion isn't bad, but when we use religion to try to earn our way into God's grace and favor, that's called religiosity. That's, that's, that's when we have this legalistic approach to life and to God and to faith, which is really where I'm going to make little of my sin and a lot of yours. <laughs> that's fun. Been around people like that. Maybe you've been that person before. And so performance is when we think, you know what, I can actually do things and perform my way into the grace of God. And it doesn't work that way. You see, we can't be sinless enough. We, 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 can't, we can't be religious enough. We can't do anything enough in order to earn the grace that Jesus has given us. The only performance that was necessary for grace in our life was done on a cross for you and for me by Jesus. And for that reason, we don't have to live with any sort of notion of performance of going about our days trying to impress God or one another because Jesus already has, which means we are on the equal playing field of grace here at Heartland, here in the church, here in the kingdom of God. We all stand equal to one another. And trying to perform our way, that's kind of like, that's trying to cut through the prison doors with, with string. It, does, it doesn't work. The string breaks. But when it does, then we can give in to pretending which means pretending that I'm not as sinful as I really am. <laughs> which means pretending that there's not as much shame that I'm carrying around that I really am. And we know a lot about pretending. I mean, whether it's in the church or just in life and society, because we scroll one another's Instagrams, right? And you, you see the picture and it's the beautiful family that had all their smiles on at the right moment. No, that was just a millisecond. <laughs> if you would have seen what happened right before that picture was taken, that's life, Right? Sometimes we can be in danger of that walking into these doors. And I love that Heartland is a place where you can, you can come no matter who you are, no matter what kind of week or day that you've had. But I'm guilty of sometimes fighting with my family in the car and then putting on the smiles as we walk in the doors. If you're not fighting on the way to church, you're, you're not a real family. <laughs> That's why we take separate cars. Right? Pretend. Pretense, and, and, and that's why we're going to do the best that we can as a church to fight that, to fight these prisons of performance and these prisons of pretending, because that's, that's not the life that Jesus has, has invited us to live. In fact, for me, I'll be honest, this is, this is the prison of performance and pretending that I think I struggle with the most. And I'll tell you why. And, and again, vulnerability at the expense that you, you don't think less of me. Feel free to think less of me, that's fine. Um, I thought I was a pretty good kid growing up. I, didn't, I, I was pretty bad at being bad. I tried to be bad, it didn't work. It was easier for me to be good. I was good at following the rules. I was pretty good at church. And I didn't realize growing up that church was very different than having a relationship from Jesus, with Jesus. And so when I finally got to the point where I realized what this relationship with Jesus was, for the first several years, I thought, you know what? Jesus didn't have to forgive me of as much stuff as he does other people that I was kind of in a special tier in club, that when Jesus drafted his teams, he got a pretty good one with Brad Herndon. <laughs> That's my wife laughing. <laughs> That's what marriage will do to you. That's lesson one in marriage. Realize just how much of a sinner you are. If Jesus can't convince you of, he'll use your spouse to do it. If that doesn't work, he'll give you kids. Yeah. And, and so I realized, and this is the, really the path of, of Christ is, is really down, not up. <laughs> that you realize we're so much more sinful than we realize, but when we do, we realize God is so much glorious and more gracious than we could ever imagine. And I remember hearing for the first time, I don't know who said it first, but 
but hearing that there is nothing that I could do that would make God love me any more or any less than he already does. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you need to be freed from your prison of performance or pretending. But I hope that we can make a commitment, Heartland, that we're not going to settle for that prison here as a church. That's not how we put the freedom of Jesus on display is by living in those places. But there was another prison, one more, that really as I was praying, God just rose to the surface of something I think we need to confront head on, and it's the prison of anxiety and angst. Anxiety and angst, just the heaviness that we live life with in our hearts, in our souls, anxiety. It's just this, we kind of unpack it. It's this knotting up of everything inside of us and we just feel like it can't come undone. And Jesus knows that we're anxious people. He sees it in us. He's not afraid of it. And that's why he said, as part of his teaching, he said, don't be anxious about anything. He said, who of you by worrying? And we, we, we make a sport of worrying. I mean, we're good at it. He says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour of life? You can't, it just, it doesn't happen. So it's, you're just, when you walk around with anxiety and angst, you're living in a prison. And maybe you're feeling that today. Maybe you've got some anxiety about some situation in your life, some season, some relationship, some child of yours, some job dynamic. And it is weighing on you and it is tightened up in you and you are walking around without any sense of freedom or joy. And I think for you, Jesus wants you to hear the keys of freedom dangling outside your cell, getting ready to open that door so you can leave that anxiety behind. And that we can help one another in that. Now, here's the thing that I've learned about prisons is that they are dark, dangerous, lonely, isolating places. They're emptied of of hope, they're full of fear, and they're not meant to be short-term places. And so the thing about prisons is that when you spend enough time living in, in a prison cell, no matter how dangerous and dark it is, you can actually learn to get comfortable there. You see, in the movie Shawshank, there's a character in there, a profound character by the name of Brooks. Brooks is this older prisoner at the end of his life, and he has spent really the majority of his life, he has been finishing a 50-year sentence for his crimes. And and he's this beloved character by all of the prisoners, but he finally finishes his sentence and he gets to be released out of the prison. And after a few weeks of trying to keep a job in the, in the real world and trying to navigate really a world and a life that, that he has been disconnected from for so long because he's been living in prison, he decides to give up. He decided that the life that he had in prison, as hard as it was, was better than the life of freedom that he was enjoying outside. And it's one of the most tragic characters of the movie and a lot of movies, I think. I think we can do the same thing. I think there's, there's more than one Brooks out there that we can trade the freedom that Jesus has for us for the familiarity of our prison cells. Because at least we know what life is like in the prison cell. Because freedom can be terrifying, let's be honest. Freedom can be terrifying and risky and dangerous and so we just say, you know what, it's not great, but I'm gonna enjoy this prison cell that I've got right now. Because that sin and that shame, it's actually kind of comfortable by now. And I know how to manage my life with it. And the performance and the pretending, you know, I know if I get found out, it'll be a big deal, but I'm just going to stay here. The anxiety that I angst, I want an escape from it. But honestly, I don't know if I would know how to live my life if that anxiety wasn't present. That situation that Jesus has freed me from and, and the door has just been sitting wide open for me. But I'm more comfortable here in the midst of this prison cell than I would be in the freedom of Jesus. 
But you and I, like what sets us apart from Brooks is we don't have to step out of this prison cell alone. That Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit to comfort us, to guide us, to encourage us in this life. That we get to do this together. And Brooks was doing it on, on his own in Shawshank. And that's why, that's why this is so important. Even if you're watching online, it's why having people next to you as you're worshiping is so important. That we get to cheer one another on as a community, as family, as friendships. That we're making space for relationships that put Jesus first. And so that we get to remember together what freedom is, that we get to encourage other what, and what freedom is, that we get to celebrate it and that we get to keep ourselves from returning to the prison cells that Jesus has freed us from. And so what if we were to wrap our lives around a, a different understanding of freedom? That if we took that initial definition that I, I posed for us about freedom, to do what you want, to be who you want, whenever and wherever you want, and what if we were to replace it with things, something that I think, again, my words, but something that I think is much more close to what Jesus had in mind, what he wants us to have in mind as we celebrate freedom today. And I, I, here, here's a go at it. And it, it, it's freedom is this, that freedom is the unhindered life made possible by the undeserved grace of Jesus. Freedom is the unhindered life made possible by the undeserved grace of Jesus. You see, this is a different starting point than the old definition. This starting point isn't what we're, what we're entitled to or what we have a right to. This starting point is the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus that he accomplished and gave to us the freedom that we have. And this, this understanding of freedom isn't about what we want and what we desire and having ourselves be in charge. And yet, it is the life unhindered. It's the life that is free and that is full. Every bit, I would say even more so, than the old ways of freedom. Because I think Jesus would say, really, your understanding of freedom that you've been living in is really just another prison cell. You're just living in the prison of what you want, and that's what got you into this prison in the first place. And so how do we use this freedom? How do we as individuals and families and spouses and parents and, and coworkers and a church, how do we wrap our lives around this understanding of freedom and, and step into it fully? Well, a lot of those letters that the Apostle Paul wrote were written to churches, people who were doing what we try to do and, and living a Jesus first life in a world that is so desperately in need of him. And one of the biggest issues that these churches would come across is the issue of freedom. What is it? How do we understand it? How do we live it out? And the book of Galatians is, is a great short book that really is entirely about freedom, about freedom from the law and about being a free people, the law of the Old Testament, that Jesus has fulfilled that law for you. And so how do you live out the freedom that he has given us? And here's the words that he wrote to the Galatians and that I think matter to us too, that Paul writes, he says, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge sinful nature. Instead, serve one another in love. And the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul is saying, look at that. Paul is saying there's two ways that you can use your freedom, that it is for freedom, earlier he says, that Christ has set you free. So how do you use it? What do you do with it? You have two choices. The first way of, to use your freedom is this, is that you use your freedom to satisfy yourself. And you are. You are free. Jesus has given you freedom, and you can use it to satisfy yourself. What well, he says, satisfy your sinful nature. And if you can do that, then you're just living out the definition that we started with. This is how I know that the first definition I came up with is true. Because it comes from this verse. That when we satisfy our sinful nature, that's another way of saying you're free to do what you want and be who you want whenever and wherever you want. And Jesus says, no, that's just another, another prison cell. 
that the freedom that we think we have, that we go about our day with, is actually the prison that Jesus, the very prison that Jesus has freed us from. So why would you lock yourself back up in it? That's what Paul's saying. So the, t- the second choice, the second path of how do we use this freedom that Jesus has given us is that you and I are free to serve one another. To serve one another in love, Paul says. And that just doesn't, when you first read that, you think, wait a second, I, serving and freedom and those things, how do those things go together? But in typical Jesus fashion, he takes a word, he takes a concept that is so crucial to the kingdom of God and to the Jesus first life, and he turns it on its head. And he, says, and he says, the freedom that you have isn't so that you can satisfy your sinful nature, but it's actually so you can serve one another in love. And I would say that this is actually when we experience more freedom than when we satisfy our sinful nature. And the reason is because when we serve one another in love, we are actually expanding the freedom of Jesus so others can experience it too. Isn't that what serving is? That when you and I serve, that we're enabling other people to experience a greater amount of freedom in Christ? And when you, when you come home from that long, hard day of work and yet you're willing to empty the dishwasher for your spouse, you are giving that person more freedom. That when you are tired at the end of the day but you let your kids crawl over you and share their stories with you, that you're giving them freedom, more freedom than they had than if you were just to, to go and shut down and lay on the bed, even though that, that's needed sometimes. Get your five-minute nap and then come back, second shift, we're on. When you find that, that need in your community and you and your friends or your neighbors meet that need, that physical need, you're extending the freedom of Christ out into those neighbors and those places, those environments. Right now, you and I are being served because there are people who are using their freedom to serve our kids and our students by getting down on their level and teaching them what the Jesus first life is and making Jesus, just, just making the songs and the scriptures and the truths and the promise of Jesus, just putting them on the level and teaching our kids what we wanna teach them is that there's no better life than the life we have in Jesus Christ. And the, the middle school leaders who are hosting conversations right now, helping those kids understand it, that the people that, that, that we walked past on the way inside these doors, that they're using their freedom to serve us and help us experience more freedom in Christ that we didn't realize we have. That we show up on Saturday mornings once a month and, and we help harvesters give away as much food as we possibly can to as many people as we possibly can. That we're helping people experience more freedom and living free of the food insecurity that defines so many of their lives. And we don't care who it goes to. We don't keep up with it. We just say here because we believe that's what Jesus would have us do. That when you pray for that person and the need that they have in their life, that you are helping them experience so much more freedom and you're standing in the gap for them and giving them that freedom. That's what happens when we serve. That's how we live into the fullness of the freedom that Christ has for us. And I think it's so much more meaningful and impactful and and big than just satisfying our sinful selves. And that's what Jesus did for us, right? That's how Jesus used his freedom. Is that he used his freedom to come and live and, and teach and die and that we look on the cross, then, then we see what, what, was, what was needed for you and I to have the freedom that we have. And so Jesus is saying, don't go back into your prison cells, but live into the freedom that I give you. Remember what true freedom is. Don't settle for what the world tells you it is. Don't live in that definition of freedom. But remember what mine is. Remember that it's a gift. Remember that it's something that we offer out and not just hold to ourselves so that more people can be able to experience the freedom 
that Jesus came to give you and me and the rest of this world. And so let's use that freedom well. Amen? Amen. Hey, let me pray for us. So, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that on a day that we celebrate and recognize freedom, and we should, Lord, you call us to a higher, deeper, fuller understanding of freedom. And so as we go about our day-to-day, God, would you remind us of what freedom has cost? Would you help us to be grateful? Would you help us to see it as a gift? Would you help us not to settle for some shallow, selfish understanding of freedom? And we need your help. We need you to convict us and nudge us and encourage us when we get it wrong. We need one another as we live this out together. Lord, help us to see the ways that we're held captive in this world and that we would not return to the captivity and the slavery of a life apart from you, but we would really live into the fullness of that. And God, I just thank you for every single person here and everyone watching online and what you're doing in our lives and that we get to do it together because we need one another, God, as leaders, as followers of you, as a church. We get to experience this freedom together. And Jesus, it's in your name that I pray. And everyone say it together, amen. Amen. Hey, a couple things before we go. One is next week. I'm sorry, before next week, we've got to get through this week. And, and we really want to help one another, not just hear a message or hear from God, but really start to process and understand it so it can be lived out in our lives in some small ways. And so on our social media, Instagram and Facebook, not TikTok yet, we're not there. Um, Check out these conversation questions. Use them on your own. Talk over them with a friend or someone that you're watching this service with. Take one or two of these and just have a conversation about it. Let them soak into your heart so that you can begin to live this out. Also, next week, we're going to continue the series. Dan is going to be here. He's always going to be here. So Dan is going to be here. He's going to be talking about another thing that we are so desperately in need of. I think you'll agree. It's more unity. What does that mean for us as a church? What does it mean for us as a people and as a country? What does it mean for your family? So come back next week. We're going to explore that together. Hey, have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday, everybody.